This is the Serial of Midnight Podcast. Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of the Serial at Midnight Podcast. My name is Heath Holland. I am your host, and I want to set up the conversation you're about to hear. This is going to be a short, sweet intro. Uh, I'm talking to Jason from Pop Retro in this uh, episode. It's TV talk is what it is. He is a massive TV fan, and as you're going to hear in the conversation, uh, TV is becoming like a real escape for me. Like I'm just losing myself in TV shows. If you're watching uh, the YouTube version of this, you know, you, I, I recently binged all 10 seasons of Smallville, uh, and I just am absolutely loving what TV can represent for me. As, uh, you know, I've always, like, I, I love movies, right? I talk so much about movies, but TV is like this whole other thing. And here's an episode just about that. So there's a lot of talk here. There's, you know, retro TV talk. We talk about a lot of TV on disc, not necessarily just DVD, also some Blu-ray stuff. We talk about sales. We talk about predictions. We talk about shows that we're really digging into, what some of our favorite TV shows are, some of our earliest memories of TV shows. So if you are a TV fan, I think this is the episode for you. Be sure to head over to the Pop Retro YouTube channel. All the links are in the description of this, uh, this episode. All right, without further ado, Jason from Pop Retro. It's time for TV Talk. But you know, Silk Stockings just came out on DVD from VEI, and I popped in disc one, right? But that's all I've had time to check, and it's like I want to watch the series, but like, how many seasons have they put in the last six months? They put out <laughs> Silk Stockings, The Commish, Hunter, uh, Renegade. I know there's more. Greatest American Hero. Greatest. Um, that's yep. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, and they're I'm all priced up. to move, right? They're all like thirty nine ninety nine right. shipped, which is great for a complete series. They put up Baywatch too, but I stayed away from the Baywatch release That's because right. of the the edits. Well, seventeen ninety nine was Greatest American Hero as we're recording this, at least the other day, uh, for the the complete series uh, on Amazon. It or not? I thought, whoa, that's that's pretty good if you don't have that series and you want it, but. Um, yeah, you know, VEI is, is interesting. Um, you know, first of all, I, they're not very receptive, it seems, to um, promotion. You know, there's not a lot of promotion for what they do. Like secret <laughs> releases, right? It's but like... uh, but they, they, had the, right, they had the deal with uh, CBS, so they were releasing all these CBS-owned shows for quite a few years there now. And now it's all these uh, Stephen J. Cannell shows which is interesting. It's great to see them come back because those are the shows that I thought would never come back into print, like Silk Stockings and, uh, gosh, Greatest American Hero, all of the Camel shows because it was such an independent studio. And, and um, uh, you, you would think that, that uh, the CBS shows would, would keep on coming before you would think that yeah. those kind of more obscure shows would. You know, Renegade was, um, they got, it got a complete series release years ago from Mill Creek Entertainment. And then it went out of print uh, yeah, like five or six years ago, I guess. And I emailed because I missed it. I didn't have it. And I wanted it. I emailed Mill Creek Entertainment, like one of my contacts in Mill Creek Entertainment. And I was like, any chance this is going to come back in print? Do you guys still have the Canal license? And they were like, uh, those have reverted back to Canal or whatever they said. But they were like, we have no nothing to do with that. Where it goes from here is completely up to them. And that was a few years ago. And I was just like, oh, 
it's gone forever. And so I was like looking at, <laughs> I was looking at e- there. It was expensive on eBay. And um, when they announced you, you're the one that broke the, you always break the news on these VEI shows for me. I'm like, Oh, and so it was like immediate purchase for Renegade, actually immediate purchase for all of that stuff. Like as soon as I found out about everything, I picked up Hunter and Renegade and Greatest American Hero. Greatest Wise American guy. Hero is still in print from somebody else too. So it's like, there's two versions out right now. And Wise Guy. Wise Guy. That They angered me with Wise Guy because they put out the DVDs and I bought the DVDs. And I think it was six weeks to the day later. They're like, now on Blu-ray. And I was like, what? And most of these sets I have um, the earlier editions of. So it's like, oh, man. And there were a few of them that I got for a little more expensive still several years ago, that I, but still more expensive than I wanted to because they were out of print already. And so I finally picked them up, and now here they are back in print right. from BEI. And I'm like, oh, you used, you used to say that everything comes back into print. You know, it yeah. seems like a lot of this stuff will always come back into the print. And I should have listened because it, more and more, it seems like that's that's true. But you just don't know, you know, especially like I said earlier, it's like these channel shows, they just seem so obscure. You would think that they're not going to come back. And if they do come back, like if they bring Wise Guy back into print, well, of course, it's still going to have the missing episodes and the missing music. But no, BEI adds those missing seven episodes and uh, most of the music that was missing too and it's like yeah. why couldn't they do this before with the earlier releases you know yeah it does seem like everything comes back and I, it's i don't know that i felt that way three years ago like i was seeing it joysticks was the one joysticks went out of print it's still the one as we're recording this joysticks the movie um uh, graden clark's movie went out of print and i'm like well who's gonna pick up joysticks and i've talked to multiple people at companies about it and they're like oh yeah yeah well, let me look into that Still won't have joysticks on Blu-ray, but I know it's got to be coming at some point because as soon as this stuff goes out of print from one studio, it seems like some other distributor is like, oh, we can we can sell that. But here's the question. VEI, if so, if they decide to let Hunter go, like if that license, because there's probably there's probably a year number attached to that deal with the Canal estate or whoever it is when that goes away. Is anybody else going to issue those? Because VEI seems kind of like the last stop. What do you think? Well, well it, it, and also confusing is in 2020, I think, um, Shout Factory announced that they had come to a distribution deal with the Cannell Estate for uh, all, all of those shows. And so my, my first thought was, oh, Shout Factory is going to re-release some of these shows and then nothing happened and VEI started releasing them. So I guess uh, Shout must have just been putting them maybe on their streaming service or maybe uh, yeah. something in different territories or something like that. It wasn't, I, I looked at that article again the other day and it just, it's not clear what exactly Shout was doing with, with that deal, I guess. Because um, I don't really watch their streaming channel or anything like that, so I don't know what's on it. But um but yeah, it's such a, it's an interesting thing. I mean, just speaking of TV on disc releases, uh, in fact, I have it right in front of me, 10 top. Speed and Brown Shoe, um, wow. the, the, can, the Cannell show from, it was his first show he produced as a independent producer in like 1979 or 1980. And when this was, this is a Mill Creek release. And when they released it back in like 2010, Oh, exciting. Finally get 10 speed and brown shoe. Well, 
you would think that Cannell owns the rights to the show, which he does, or his estate does now, apparently, but the pilot episode was not included. And so, like, a few years later, CBS releases on CBS Mod, Burn on Demand Disc, the pilot episode for super expensive. I was just talking to our mutual friend, Eric, uh, from Facebook about this the other day, and I didn't have this, so I finally picked it up, the pilot episode. But it's like, it, the stuff is so tangled up sometimes with music rights and yeah. syndicated cuts getting on discs or not and whatever and and things like this it's it so it just makes you think gosh um well i would think that most people think it's probably easy to release a tv show onto home video but it's not it's really not and so even a show like this that Cannell owns well apparently the deal for the pilot movie must have been different because cbs said no you can't release that on your Mill Creek set in 2010. We're going to release it ourselves on a burn on demand disc. That's crazy. Yeah. TV <laughs> rights are, are, people ask me sometimes, they're like, do you think that so-and-so and then they name some ex very obscure, something like that, which is very obscure though. Like, do you think it's ever going to get a Blu-ray? I'm like, no, I don't because we're, we're very fortunate because I'm so grateful that in the last year, I mean, I'm looking at my, we, we got, the A-Team on Blu-ray, we got the Incredible Hulk on Blu-ray, we got the Six Million Dollar Man, the Bionic Woman, all these, these are great shows. But TV is expensive to put out on Blu-ray because it's so, it's hours and hours and hours of stuff. Uh, and you got to get the music clearance rights. And yes, yeah, so the I, I never would have thought that the pilot for that show would not be included in a complete series set. That's fascinating to me. Um, so I, in many ways, I feel like we're lucky just to have what we, what we get. I don't know. Well, that's how I feel too. And I know sometimes we go back and forth a little bit about VEI. It's like, oh man, yeah. look at this packaging, look at this, whatever. And, and I'm like, Hey, I'm just happy there. Somebody's releasing this stuff, but it is, yeah. there is that give and take sometimes because, uh, it's like, how else are we going to see it in some ways? But, and then you get surprised, like with the wise guy thing. Not only do you get the missing episodes, but you get it on Blu-ray. Yeah, how does this stuff work? It's so tangled up. And and you know, I, I've been tracking and collecting and watching and reading about this stuff for years, and I still can't untangle why a lot of this stuff happens and how it happens. You know, with the home video releases of, of TV. You're a TV guy. What is it? And I'm a TV guy too, but I'm, I'll, I'll talk about my TV stuff in a minute, but like my journey to like, well, okay, I'll just say it real quick. So the more, when I started to review movies, TV became a safe place. It became my escape. And I've always loved TV. Like we all, like we're Americans, you and I are both generation X. Like we were raised on TV, um, but it's now like a safe place. Cause I don't really review it. Sometimes I'm like, Hey, this came out, but there's nobody who's like, Hey, we need that silk stockings review by next Tuesday. Um, you've always been a TV guy. Talk to me a little bit about like just your fandom for television and what it means to you and why maybe you prefer that over movies. Oh gosh. Um, I mean, my, my first security number and your home address. <laughs> my first flash of, of memory of watching a TV show would have been when I was like four and watching the greatest American hero with my mom. And all I remember that flash of memory was, um, what's his name, William Cat, the star, you know, falling down the hillside trying to figure out how to use the cape. 
And I guess four-year-old me just thought that was hilarious. And two years later, when I'm six, Knight Rider comes out. And well, before that, I was a huge Dukes of Hazzard fan. So I was already watching the Dukes and the car crashes and the stunts and everything like that was just so exciting to me. Uh, then Knight Rider was so like mysterious and high tech and, and all of this. And and I, I, even that theme song had like a darkness to it. It had like a little bit of a mystery and like it was it was that synth. It had this it had this really um, I don't know. It felt dangerous. It did. It's like it 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 was when everything was still kind of looking seventies in nineteen eighty two. It it was bringing you into the eighties. It seemed yeah. you know Night Rider was, but yeah. And so those were my earliest memories of TV. And after that, around the time of six or seven, I think we got our first. VCR and which was an expensive Curtis Mathis VCR that I still used into college. I had our family VCR from 1982 because it was such a tank and it still worked. And so I was still using it in like 1996 in college, um, not to get too far afield, but um, while my parents rented movies when I was a kid, I figured out that you could record television onto a blank tape. And that was, it became a joke in my family because when you didn't know what to get Jason for Christmas or his birthday, get him a, a pack of blank tapes. <laughs> and so I would always get blank tapes for the holidays That's awesome. and I would just record TV shows so I could watch them as if they were movies that I had in my library. Now, I don't know aesthetically what drew me to, to TV um, so much, but um, because obviously there's a, there's that familiar, there's that feeling you get that things are going to be familiar when you watch, especially an old TV show, because yeah. they had their formulas. And uh, you knew what to expect when you watched a Knight Rider or a Dukes or a, an A-Team or, or whatever. And I, I think maybe that subconsciously added to why I liked it so much. You know, it's just, yeah. okay. And you kind of, I think, explain it in a different way just a minute ago, where, you know, it's your, what'd you call it? Your your safe place or you know because it's like i i know that i can relax and watch this you know and yes. not worry too much about it because you kind of know what you're going to get depending on what show you're watching yeah movies are movies are a very specific thing and you know i've, I've come a long way on this too because i'm the guy that a few years ago made a video call about the four season theory for tv shows and what it comes down to is i think that most tv shows have four at peak, at best, they have four great seasons. Um, rare to get a five great seasons. Um, and most TV shows don't have four great seasons. For instance, I just did a binge on Smallville over the last few months. And I watched all 10 seasons of Smallville. And I adore Smallville. I don't think Smallville has a single great season. I think it has great episodes peppered throughout. Four great seasons. So the, the, and my thing was like, well, I like the economy of a movie because it's these set rules. It has a structure, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And TV shows can just kind of, well, there was an article that came out. I posted this uh, a couple of weeks ago. There's a, Joel Cohen, I think is who said it, that TV shows have a beginning and a middle and a middle and a middle, and then they peter out and, it's like, and they fizzle out. I was like, yeah, I mean, some of them do, but when you can really connect with the show, it's like hanging out with friends. And I am learning more to appreciate just hanging out with friends. And it doesn't have to be revolutionary and it doesn't have to like win awards or anything like that. It can just be comfort food. And um, I'm just kind of like, I've always like Knight Rider, I love. I've always loved, you know, some of these shows, the shows we grew up with, I've loved. But 
I don't know. As I, I am more and more just like, I just want to spend time with this TV show. Having said that, there's nothing worse than a TV show that's outlived its freshness date and it's just on life support. Which happens a lot, obviously. And I think the first time, I, I think what Cohen was relating to too was, I don't know, this modern era we're in where yeah. um, I always go back to Lost because it was 2004, so it's before the streaming era, but Lost felt like a show that was the prototype for what they were trying to do with um, with streaming shows, um, which is to, uh, in fact, I, I think I watched Lost first on DVD like the next year after the first season had come out, and I just I binged it, and I was because it was so good at at teasing you with the cliffhanger and keeping you coming back to that. And I would tell my friends, I said, yeah, you got to check this out. It, I called it TV crack because it just, it's like, you just wanted more and more and more of it. And sure enough, that seemed to be, I mean, what, like a year or two later, even shows like Grey's Anatomy came out that, you know, you could watch in a binge style fashion because of the way that they structured those shows and especially the way, I guess, that they ended episodes that you had to at least start the next one to see what's going to happen. And so it was only only inevitable that that they uh, would come out with streaming and say, oh, you know what? We're going to release all 10 episodes on the same day. So you can just watch it all at once. And I never liked that. I always liked yeah. the not watching too much at one time, but that's just me personally. I know a lot of people like to binge, but it's like a embarrassment of riches almost now where there's a new streaming show somewhere every single day that you haven't seen that you could watch and binge all day long and argue that it's better than the shows we grew up with that were just standalone episodes. But I found as I get old, older, there is something com comforting about being able to just pop in an episode of a show and watch it and be done with it after 48 minutes and say, that was fun, you know, yeah. without having to devote so much time to it. You talk about this a lot on your channel, you know, about the length of modern movies. And in a lot of ways, it's the same type of thing. I think a lot of Modern movies were, are, are, I think a lot of movies are made now in mind of like, okay, this is either going to be a long movie or we're going to make a, a streaming series with, you know, mm -hmm. eight episodes or something like that. Yeah. They take movies now and they break them in, down into series with multi, you know, like, yeah. Um, it's so interesting, right? Because I agree. I used to think that CBS shows were like the old people. I thought CBS, well, it is historically like geared towards older people. But I was like, oh, that's like the grandparent channel. Um, and now all those CBS shows I enjoy because I enjoy the procedural aspect of it. Like a Hawaii 5.0, new or old. You're like, well, you know what you're getting into. There's going to be beautiful, a beautiful location. There's going to be a criminal and it's going to be tied up by the end of the hour. And there's something very comforting about that because there's no... It just doesn't ask anything of you. It's just like, hey, just just hang out for a little while. We'll have a good time. And that's becoming more valuable to me as I get older. I always felt too, uh, during the OOs that decade, those shows you just mentioned, CSI, um, what else came out around that time on CBS? It was like CSI, Criminal Minds, maybe, and uh, yeah. um, the one about missing persons that I can't remember the name about of. Right Law now. and Order. That's and, a big uh, one too. And Law and Order. But of course, that premiered in 1990. So that's kind of, wow. okay. you know, yeah, way back. It, but, but, uh, uh, but I'm taking your point about how CBS did kind of stick with the um, single episode, wrap it up sort of uh, yeah. aesthetic to their shows, which 
proved to be super popular, obviously. And uh, so that is interesting that you can still do it that way and have a huge broadcast audience. But I guess that was the, the deal back in the day when we had just the three networks, right? Um, it it kind of predates us a little bit because even when we were little, there were, we had at least a few cable channels, I think. But, um, but when you think back to how writers and producers had to produce for TV in, say, the 1970s, um, you could be an independent TV producer, but you still had to uh, write and produce for such a huge, wide audience that you had to have that skill to bring that audience in. And and I think um, you know, then you had the network on your case. And the, if the fans didn't like it, you know, then you had to reverse course and do something else. But um, but ultimately, you'd write standalone episodes because the the end game was what to hopefully run long enough that your show could go into syndication and so that anybody could just pick it up and watch it at any time. You didn't have to, you didn't have to binge it. And so, um, I mean, there were a few exceptions like the eighties primetime soaps, things like that, that had continuing storylines, but, um, but it is interesting that even today, um, a show like NCIS that I, I really haven't watched modern NCIS. So is, is it still largely standalone episodes? I don't know. Um, but if it is, it, it, it cause it's on, that is CBS, right? Yeah, CBS. Then it makes sense that those are still highly popular, you know, um, yeah. because I guess it's the uh, the formula that, that never ends. But but it gets no buzz, you know. People don't talk about it. They're talking about what's on HBO Max and Netflix and you know all that sort of thing. Do you think it's generational? Are you watching a lot of streaming shows? No. Yeah, I'm not either. We have a few. I I, I watch. Um, Modern shows, uh, for whatever reason, when I started my career in 2000, I worked a lot of night shifts for about a decade. So I, I gave up cable. I never had satellite, but I gave up cable right around then. So I just watched, and that was right around the time, like in 2003 or four, classic TV on DVD started coming out. And so I was like reliving all the stuff we grew up with from the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. Um, but uh I guess I never went back to, so I never had that, that drive to have to watch what's streaming. So I, I just, I take recommendations from folks like you, people, uh, mm -hmm. uh, friends and family that say, Hey, this is good. You should check it out. And then I'll check something out. You know, I mean, I've seen like stranger things and uh, game of Thrones and uh, you know, things like that, that were huge and that were yeah. popular that I thought, okay, I'll check those out. Cause those seem to be the ones that are good that maybe I should know about, but, you know, a lot of people will just, I'll see a friend this week that'll tell me, hey, this is great. You should check it out. And then next week, they'll tell me something else is the best thing ever, you know, because there's so much there's new so stuff. Much. You can't keep up with it. Yeah. Well, and there's no, um, with episodic television on actually on television, you have to succeed. You have to connect with the audience. But to get, you know, with streaming, they're green lighting entire seasons, usually eight or 10 or 12 episodes you know all at one time and so if it doesn't work there's no modification because it's already done most of the time and I, I i feel like i have wasted so much time on trying to check out streaming shows because i was interested in them only to be disappointed that they didn't seem to go anywhere that's another thing is like some of these shows just don't go anywhere it's on this very Okay, so one that I'll name is uh, there's a show that was on Apple TV or it's on Apple TV called Physical, 
with Rose Byrne, who I like a lot. And it was it, it takes place in the 80s. She gets sucked up into aerobics. And I was like, this is really cool. Well, I think that our, that that physical probably started as a movie script. And somebody was like, let's make this an eight episode series. Uh, and it covers like, I don't know, two weeks or something like that. Like nothing happens where it leaves at the end of the season. Like we have no resolution. Nobody is really in a different place than where they started. And I was like, I wish that I had not watched this. So streaming changes the, it adds to the noise. And I think it can add to the, to the clutter. I don't know how you navigate all this stuff. I guess you just listen to people that you trust and and you say, Hey, is this worth watching? And, you know, but then again, there's so many, like sometimes on Friday, there'll be three new shows that are debuting on the different networks because they're all competing with each other. I do not know how anybody has time to watch this stuff. Which is a different problem, but maybe it's a good problem. I don't know. What do you think? Well, when I was growing up, uh, and I think in the late 80s, early 90s, getting into high school, when I really started, I guess, kind of studying this, I started buying books about TV history, which there weren't many of back then. Um, A lot of film and movie studies books, not a lot on TV, but um, (laughs) back then, my goal was to watch at least sample every show that came out. And it was kind of, it was easier back then because there were just the well there were four networks networks with fox adding that in but also i had the vcr you know and i could do the tape watch one and tape the other and so i tried to do a lot of that and it was hard and i didn't see everything and but yeah i i you're exactly right how even back then it was hard to sample everything and see everything even back in the uh, even if you had a vcr with just three networks it's still a lot of time you know that's three hours a night um four hours on sundays you know that you're trying to to be schooled on what tv is broadcasting um and then once you add in syndicated shows and the cable that came after it and now streaming it's like yeah you just kind of have to pick and choose uh what you want to you, you just can't know everything but back then i i felt like i could like hey, I could watch every TV show that's ever been aired. You know, all I got to do is just check, you know, but because there's, here's a book that has them all listed, you know. Now they don't even, you can't even make a book like that because there's a new show every single day. You know, I used to love going through the TV guide and I would, you know, like, first of all, I remember it started with just looking to see what was coming on on like Friday night or something like that. Oh, the night of the the movie, the night is The Empire Strikes Back or whatever. But then as I got older, going to the front of the TV guide and reading the articles about the people and the shows that were coming out. And that was a wealth of information too. Um, and you just, you, you, you couldn't do that now. There's just too much stuff. No magazine, no publication can really keep track of everything that's going on. It's such a, it's such a splintered, fractured market. And that's, that's like everything now. You know, I see that in everything. They see the movies, I see it with comics. I see it with music. It's like, it's all just like, hey man, Whatever you like, you find it and you do it. But I do miss like pop culture, you know, popular culture, shared popular culture, water cooler talk. I miss that when we were all kind of on the same page and when you saw something on a Sunday night. And man, I remember what a big deal the premiere of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was. And we were all talking about it the next day at school. It was huge. We were like, you know, we're doing the, the handshake and everything. We loved it. I don't know that that happens. Maybe it happens with a Mandalorian or something. 
yeah, I mean, what, what would it happen with today when there's so much, um, I mean, my nephews are, gosh, they're 22 and 18 now, but, um, you know, they've grown up in this era of, you know, smartphones and YouTube cat videos. And so, I, you know, I remember when, when they were younger, it's like, hey, do you guys want to maybe watch a movie? And it's not like they, they don't ever watch movies, but anytime I have them over to watch a movie, they're looking at their phone as they watch a movie yep. because there's, you know, there's something that's only going to be 10 seconds long that they can check out real quick without devoting too much attention to it. And the old person in me used to think that, that there's something wrong with that. But now I just think that that's just, that's the world that we're in now you know, that it's entertainment comes and can come in chunks that small. And it, it sucks to me, but I guess, do you, do you ever think that, like when we were kids, when we were younger, say teens, like I noticed there was, there was a lack of, of study for television. And I always wondered, how come, how come I can't go to college and study television? You know, it just wasn't a thing. Yeah. And I think the reason why was because the generations before us kind of laughed at it because it was still so new. It had only been around for 40 years or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I just wonder if that's my attitude now towards things like the internet and social media. Whereas maybe the kids today, teenagers today are like, I am just fascinated by the history of Yahoo and yeah. uh, GeoCities. <laughs> you know and the internet and and uh social media and and, and all this stuff whereas we just kind of look and go like that's not that's not history that's not old stuff well it's been around for just about 30 years you know and it is kind of th what they grow up on and so um i don't know i don't i don't even know what train i'm on here with this thought but um i but think you're on to something i think but that, it, yeah well, it just it, it's interesting to me I think it's generational. And I think that our generation has an appreciate, especially you and me being products of the time that we grew up in um, coming of age in the eighties with shows like Knight Rider. And I'm just a huge Dukes of Hazard fan. Uh, those shows were our, I mean, they were, they were our imagination. They fired our imaginations. They were huge. And I think that, you know, not that our, like, I'm like my parents watched some of that stuff too, but it didn't, there was no conversation about, you know, like, well, that was a really good episode or whatever. It was just kind of taken for granted. And I think that as we get older, we can, you know, here's, let me, let me just stop and move over here because I was watching a, one of the antenna channels shows Dick Cavett reruns on uh, at night. And he was talking, I don't remember who he was talking to, but he had some comedy writers on. This was like 1974, maybe. And they were talking about how comedy just isn't funny anymore. Comedy used to be funny with the Marx Brothers and with, uh, you know, the the 30s and the 40s and the screwball comedies and stuff like that. Comedy's kind of dead. They've done it all. Well, that's what they were talking about in the 70s. It's a generational thing. We tend to love the stuff that we know and that we can look in the rearview mirror at. And the new stuff is not for, I just don't think it's for us. I don't think that it's natural for us to be able to, take in everything and appreciate everything you know my i've got a 16 year old daughter who is she likes friends she likes uh seinfeld we watch seinfeld with her but by and large okay growing up in the house that she's grown up in with us she does have an appreciation for like like if i told the hazel joke 
she would get it. If I was like, bring the so-and-so, Mr. B, she'd be like, ah, she'd get it. But she's not going to go watch Hazel on her own. But she, like, she's interested in, you know, whatever's on Disney Plus this week or something like that. And that's probably for the best. That's probably just, like, one of those things. Like, it belongs to them now. This this platform belongs to them. And I've, there's kind of comfort in me for that. Like, I can let it go. I can be like, eh, it's not for me. I'm going to go watch Hardcastle and McCormick or something like that. <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah. Um, gosh, I don't know. I, I, I had my nephew over um, several months ago, and he stayed over a couple nights. And he, he asked about, um, it was the police squad. But he didn't know it was police squad because he had found on YouTube growing up all the... Uh, I guess somewhere on YouTube, they posted all the, the credits, you know, the credit scenes where, where they freeze and everything's going on like in the background, the shooting and, yes. and explosions and everything. And he just thought that was hilarious and funny. And I said, well, I've got that. I've, I've got that on DVD. We can watch all six episodes. That's really, so that was a TV show. So, and so we watched all six episodes and then the three movies, the naked gun movies. Nice. And he thought it was great, but, that's interesting to me how he got to that point how he found it you know yeah because it was probably suggested to him or he was probably on some silly youtube rabbit hole and that's how he wound up on something that we would say is classic for us you know the police squad tv show yeah um, but yeah it just goes back to how parents today are probably uh, scared of all the screens that children have whereas our parents were frightened by nintendo and cable tv and that we were parked in front of because that's what they didn't grow up with you know or in front that's true yeah nintendo was i remember conversations about nintendo is destroying the youth they just stare into the screen like zombies atari too atari didn't get as much heat as nintendo got i don't know why nintendo got the brunt of that but it did, yeah. That was and well, Nintendo was so much merchandise. Like there was the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, and there was um, the Zelda thing. Maybe that was they're like it's too much merchandising. They're brainwashing our kids, which I, right, right. Fair, they, they probably we are brainwashed. That is true. You know. Yeah, <laughs> and it is funny because every generation thinks that our brainwashing is the best. I guess, but um, yeah, uh, you know. But yeah, it is it is funny because when I think back, what did our parents say? They they would say stuff like, Yeah, we used to go up on the rock pile with a stick and a rock and bat it back and forth. And I'm like, Wow, that sounds awful. I'm glad I got my Nintendo yeah. so I can play play some uh, video games here. But but we would but yeah, also so. go outside and play, you know, A Team or I specifically man on my bike, I would do the turbo. That beat. is true. I don't see anybody outside kids playing like catch with a football or a baseball or just running around outdoors. I mean, I want to say for like the last 15 years, um, whether it be in my neighborhood or, you know, anywhere I go, or even like my younger siblings um, and their kids growing up, they just don't play outside anymore. It's all like on screens and stuff. And again, the generational thing where I just think that man, that just sounds like, it sounds like there's something wrong there, but I don't know. I'm not a, child psychologist you we know, have, but in our neighborhood we do have some young kids and they do play outside so thank goodness they they have well, like water <laughs> i go for walks every day i go for these like three mile walks every day and i see these kids doing like water gun fights or they'll do 
they're playing football they're playing baseball on the street like you know stick ball on the street like it's like it's the bronx or something like circa 1955 um but it's fun because i'm like i i remember this like when was this this was probably 15 20 years ago i was in biloxi mississippi and this kid walked across the road in like a striped shirt and he had a like an army helmet on and he was playing and i was like i feel like i was like a quantum leap and i'd gone back in time to like 1967 or something like that like it was in the wonder years i was like what is that kid doing he's playing in an army helmet it was bizarre that is funny um yeah, because you don't see that very often, you know, mm. like uh, kids running around with the little toy six shooters. Yeah. <laughs> and know, I heard Joe which... Cocker singing with a little help from my friends just out of the sky. Well, what were uh, what were your first memories of, of TV or, or what do you remember, like first maybe drawing you to uh, to a love of that screen, the TV screen? Some of my earliest TV memories are The Incredible Hulk with... Um, the, the Bill Bixby, Lou Ferrigno version. I'll reference my Kenneth Johnson interview because that's a good place to reference it. Maybe I'll pop it up right here. Um, I remember Greatest American Hero. I was a big Knight Rider fan that hit me hard. I remember going to, this is funny. They were doing a um, giveaway in the local department store in the mall, which was a Gafers. I don't even know if Gafers was a chain or if that was just one in our neighborhood and our town. And you could go get an autographed photo of Kit at the department store. Now, how Kit autographed this, I don't know. But it was like a glossy 8 by 10 autographed by Kit. And I had to have that. Um, so those are the ones I remember. Um, the A-Team was a big one for me. I had all the I had all the action figures. I had the, the large scale and the small scale action figures. Um not live action, but I was like Spider-Man and his amazing friends was big for me. And there was an incredible Hulk animated series too, that I also liked. I was big on the Hulk. Apparently those are were the you, ones that come to mind. Did you, uh, were you able to latch on at all to like the, uh, the early syndicated stuff like uh, He-Man and GI Joe and Transformers? No, Transformers I was allowed to watch. I was not allowed to well, I, I was not allowed to watch He-Man. Uh and I was not allowed to watch G.I. Joe, but I did it anyway. Um, because I had a TV. There was a wherever the, the TV was in the house, sometimes I could change it if I heard someone coming. <laughs> so <laughs> I remember a conversation. My mom was like, I saw one of the characters coming out of the water and you could see everything. I was like, what and she's talking about the baroness and no um so that was a no-no as well and he man the there's only one master of the universe jason uh and it's not he man <laughs> so no that is not acceptable that's not so that's stuff, either. No. yeah thundercats no he man no uh of course i love that stuff now ninja turtles was a big no ninja turtles was like a straight ticket to hell one-way ticket to hell Wow. Um, Care Bears was a no. In fact, this one kid brought a Care Bears 45 record to give away at school. Uh, he, I guess his mom worked at one of the department. I think she worked at TG and Y. If uh, anyway, she had gotten like a stack of them and he brought them to school and I was not allowed to keep mine. We had to throw it away. Care Bears. Um, 
So I don't have a lot of early 80s cartoon memories like that. I don't, I, I'm trying to think of early 80s cartoons that I did watch, that I was allowed to watch. Think of like some really safe, bland, the Get Along Gang. Do you remember the Get Along Gang? I do. Yeah, my sister and I were just talking about that the other day, actually. Yeah, I um, had that. I actually had, there was like a playset for that that I had too. Oh, wow. Well, there was, I guess, uh, the more Saturday morning stuff. Maybe I, like, yeah. I guess Scooby Doo wouldn't be nope. do kosher either. That's nope. um, supernatural. <laughs> uh, <I'm> trying, <laughs> you know, well, you would think the Care Bears would be okay, but um, I know, right? Uh, this is a we're on a whole other video now. It's a whole yeah, yeah. Now. I mean, we're just we're freelancing, folks. We're freelancing, yeah. but uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, it, it's I don't know. It's incredible what what you remember and what you don't remember and how much like every once in a while something will get a release like on dvd just because we follow that stuff and i'm like oh my gosh why didn't i think of that until now because i have a vague memory of it yeah. i just saw a uh, uh somewhere online i bought a bootleg of the complete series of the inhumanoids do you remember that it was like i think i'm gonna look it up while you talk about it, it. was a, it is another um, Hasbro tie-in from like Marvel uh, Marvel Sunbow production, uh, but but I, they released like a couple episodes on DVD and that was it. And uh, so I never bought it because they didn't release the whole thing. And I just came across yeah. this bootleg for cheap, and I thought, oh, I'm going to check that out because I have this vague memory of the toy and the commercials and maybe the cartoon when it aired, but. Um, uh, but it just goes to show that even back then, there was a lot. There was a lot coming through mm -hmm. every year on Saturday morning. There was uh, there was something new that was going to be gone the next year. We had yeah. pole position for one year and it was gone. We had turbo team for one year and it was gone. You know, and uh, 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 so so even trying to keep up with that would have been difficult. But but man, when I watch it today, that stuff, it's like oh, I can see why a modern audience would find stuff from our era cheesy or funny but yeah. it sure is charming and fun for me to to relive it now especially now that i i just feel like the world is so serious everybody takes themselves so seriously today in a lot of ways not everybody but it seems like so much of the world does that yeah. it is fun to look back and go wow we really seemed like fun people back in 1985 <laughs> you know? yeah, we knew how to we knew how to not take ourselves too seriously and to just have a good time and like the whole, I think of like Dazed and Confused and like Matthew McConaughey, like that, we, that's kind of realistic. Like the kids in Dazed and Confused are pretty realistic to what life was like until the social, like social media just made everybody angry. But the, you answered a question that I was going to ask you, which was, do you have a problem suspending disbelief and going back and, and watching this stuff as an adult? Because I remember I, because I don't, and I can, now I, I, do notice I'm more receptive to some of this stuff either early in the morning or late at night when I'm not like in my grind, my daily grind. Like, I don't know that I would watch, you know, I, I can't even think of anything. I remember talking to somebody when Transformers came out on DVD. Actually, I was probably like 30. Realistically, I was probably like 30. And I was talking about how I was watching Transformers again. And they were like, you can't go back, man. It's, it's terrible. You can't go back. And I was like, I'm actually enjoying it. Had the same conversation about Dukes of Hazard when those came out on DVD because I was really enjoying them. And people would say, I can't go back. So you can go, you can go back. That is, yeah. And it's funny to me how it, sometimes I wonder 
for a lot of people, it's like, did you really enjoy this before when you were young? Um, but then, I mean, I think what happens is you get conditioned to, I mean, because you don't get the Dukes of Hazard and Knight Rider and the stuff we had in the 80s that looked really cool and high tech compared to what our parents had in the 50s and 60s on TV, the same way that you don't get to where you're at today with uh, how they're able to write and produce TV if you didn't go through those steps. And so those 80 steps are there. And so I guess you just have to, for some people, you have to look at them as historical artifacts. But you, I think if you're just somebody who always wants the new and best thing, you want that new Marvel movie, you know, and it's going to be the coolest thing ever for you. Well, there are some people, I, I had a buddy who was an acquaintance and he mentioned, I saw it on Facebook. He said, uh, wow, I just watched the first Fast and Furious film, which came out in like 2001, I think. He said, for the first time since I saw it, and oh my God, that was just awful, man. It's so cheesy. It's, I, and, and so just going back to a movie from 2001 wow. that was popular, and he still loves that series, or, or I should say loves when a new movie comes out. Yeah. That even going back to 2001 was like too much of a leap for this person. And it just kind of blew my mind. I was like, yeah. At first, I thought maybe I should rewatch it. Just, but then I thought, well, no, because I can enjoy the Dukes of Hazard, you know. And I just watched the first Fast and the Furious movie in the summer, so six months ago, and I thought it was, I thought it held up really well. Well, there you go. And so, yeah, I think it's just a matter of, you know, if you've gotten used to binging so many shows that were made this year all year long, and then all of a sudden, you know, hey, let's watch yeah. The Fall Guy and check out a few episodes, <laughs> you know. They're, yeah. they're going to watch about five minutes of it and go, oh, this is stupid. Why? Yeah. How did this ever get on the air? You know, and that's just, I, I, again, I, I, I guess I imagine people maybe in 1981 were saying that about a, you know, a, a rerun of a show from the 50s, maybe, you know, oh, this dragnet. What is this? Yeah. You know, or whatever. And facts. so, Ugh. so yeah, so I am, I am able to suspend it. But I also like to think that I, I'm not sure I'm suspending any disbelief or, or any, I, I think I'm just enjoying it because I yeah. enjoy it, you know? And so uh, um, I, I think you have to just get to where it's not a guilty pleasure. It's just, it's actually a pleasure. Yeah. I, you know, I actually just enjoy, enjoy this stuff. It doesn't I mean do you not. have to, it doesn't mean you have to, but, but uh, it's there and it's out there. And if you're at all into history, talk about historical documents. Don't you have fun like watching for the, what's in the background sometimes too it's like wow look at the price of gas that yeah you know michael knight just drove by you know For 48 real. cents a gallon or whatever you know yeah these show, so, so many of these shows like drive up pacific coast highway and you're like look at that yeah. hotel like the like restaurants and stuff like that like rockford files like he's got his little trailer and you're like look at, look at the thing yeah i don't believe in guilty pleasures you just you either like something or you don't if you feel guilty about it something's wrong but I don't know if we I don't, if viewers can tell us, do, do we reflect the majority opinion or are we kind of a minority? I know sometimes I feel like I'm in the niche, but there is no shame in just enjoying something. And I th listen, some of this stuff holds up like incredibly well for me. Brie, what, my wife, Brie, watches Mary Tyler Moore and the Dick Van Dyke show on a constant repeat, constant, like no breaks in between, just like awesome. every night, Dick Van Dyke, Mary Tyler Moore. And those shows are incredibly... I say this a lot in my videos, especially these days, like we as a society 
have not changed in the last 50 years and the civil rights battles and the cancel culture battles and like the role of women in society. These are not new conversations. And it seems like we're like, you watch an episode of Mary Tyler Moore. It's ripped from today's headlines. And um, I go back and I watch Leave it to Beaver sometimes. And I'm like, this is really funny. Like it's funny in a subversive kind of way too, because like Eddie Haskell is such a douche and he's always like playing the angles and stuff. And they throw things in for adults. Like I remember one time, like Hugh Beaumont uh, Ward is talking to one of the moms. He's like, Oh no, I never noticed that that lumpy look like Burt Lancaster. I- I'll send him home. I was like, who's that joke for? Like, that's for the movie fans that know who Burt Lancaster is. So I don't know. Some of this stuff's just really well written, but it doesn't compete with Stranger Things or you know, a TV show with a hundred million dollar per episode budget or whatever it is. But I don't know. I just love this. Like, it's TV is so rewarding and there's so much of it. And when you find something that you connect with, you can just vibe with it for however long the spell lasts and, and it's a good question to ask about guilty pleasures it's like do other people out there also have like a secret uh guilty pleasure in air quotes from the past that they watch but they just never talk about you know it's like uh you know it, we're just kind of more vocal about it because we love this stuff but it does make you wonder hmm, maybe there are more people out there that just won't speak up about their love of Saved by the Bell, you know. <laughs> yeah, and you, it's something you've talked about, something that we've talked about here, including before we hit record, was that we are, this community that we have allows us to be really open and honest with this stuff. But if you're Frank at, you know, the bank, that Frank at the bank, hey, look what I did. Um, I love it. You don't talk about, you know, you don't talk about your love of Knight Rider, probably. Maybe you do, but a lot of people don't have an outlet in their lives to really geek out about the stuff that they really care about. So maybe it is a, a pleasure that you kind of, protect because you That's don't want true. people to like, yeah like on public facing places like your personal facebook page i'm not like talking about my love of night rider and 80s you know cheesy b movies or whatever you know and so yeah that's there's 100 percent um uh it, <laughs> I, it you would think that with the internet and social media it could be a more open forum for that but i guess we still have those you know um those thoughts in our heads. We don't want to get made fun of and A, or, or just B, you, you know, it's like you think in your head, nobody cares about this stuff but me. So I'm not going to post about this stuff. You know, I'm going to post about the opening of the new in and out down the street, you know, and, and call it good. Everybody will like that, you know, but yeah. yeah so, uh, so it is interesting in that, in that regard, but, uh, but yeah, so oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was, was going to say, this up. what are we going to say? Sure. Oh, I was just going to ask, um, Maybe this will be good to wrap it up on. What's what's your uh, your thoughts as somebody you know involved in the industry a little bit uh, moving forward as far as TV on disc and TV releases, especially as it pertains to classic TV and vintage TV? Because I think that we probably have gotten most of the big ones out and out of the way, at least on DVD. I don't think a lot of them will be upgraded to Blu-ray or 4K. And uh, you talk about this a lot too, but um, I'm looking at a lot of those more obscure shows that that came and went and that a lot of people maybe don't remember. And like I said, I got a, a bootleg of the Inhumanoids. And it's like, come on, where's the official complete series of that? You know, but I also realized that these these things are not things that are gonna sell, especially in it's such a niche world where streaming is king and physical media is not anymore. So what's your thoughts on the future of physical media 
as it pertains to TV? I'm more optimistic about it now than I was a couple of years ago. I feel like we're on a fulcrum point and it has kind of tipped over into the, the positive side. But for, I mean, for a long time, look, TV on disc just does not sell very well right now. You look at something like Happy Days, they put out the first, what do they put out? First six seasons of that, I believe. And um, it had music replacements because the music is, that, that show is built around classic songs like American Graffiti. And it's just too expensive to license all those because the sales aren't there. And they got to a point where people were like, you know, well, I'm not going to buy this if it's not going to have the original music and the people making it. Paramount, I think it was, is like, well, we're not going to put it out because we can't afford the music. It doesn't sell well enough. So um, we are seeing more things coming out. Like I know Universal put out Magnum PI through Mill Creek Entertainment, which I guess I'm not sure exactly what the the whole agreement there was or why they did that. But I gather it was easier for them to license that. It was a great win for Mill Creek because they can just get that pressed and get that out and keep the price down. Um, Then you also look at something like the $6 million man and the bionic woman that just came out from shout factory with a really high retail price that people, I mean, so many people have told me that they haven't bought that because it's too expensive. So that's shout factory. That's going to, the lack of sales for that is going to be translated as, well, there's not enough interest in this. So that it could go either way, right? It just depends on the show. It depends on the price. It depends on what the investment on that is. You know, I would love to see some of these classic, like Gunsmoke. I would love to see Gunsmoke get a Blu-ray release. I don't think it's going to happen because the DVD set is like, oh man, I don't even remember how many discs that it's like 121 discs, something like that. Um, I got a video about that too. Like, is that ever going to get a Blu-ray? I no, I don't think so. I think it's a miracle that it has a DVD. But what I always say is we vote with our dollars and everything that you support sends a message to the studio. Actually, everything you don't support sends a message too. So if you want to see TV on DVD, well, TVD on D, TV on DVD is that that's the most likely. TV on Blu-ray, niche. TV on 4K, no, <laughs> this is all we got. Westworld, we got Game of Thrones. It might be it. I don't even know if there's any more than that. Um, but I people will be like, "Hey, do you think that this?" And then they name like some really obscure show. Sometimes I have to Google it. They're like, "You think that's going to get a Blu-ray release?" It's like, <laughs> "No, I don't." I'm sorry, I don't think so. And some of this stuff's lost too. That's another um scary thing is that there's a lot of shows that are just lost. So or just mastered on videotape. Mastered on video. Mastered on the film. You know, I'm a big, so I'm doing this. I'm like in a Western phase right now. And I'm watching um, The Texan with Rory Calhoun from, there's a CBS show done by Desi Liu, 1958 to 1960. And it's mastered on video. Like the, the, the elements are on videotape. It was shot on film, obviously. But whenever it was preserved for posterity, probably in like 1991 or whenever it was, they preserved it on videotape and that's all that there is. And I've asked people about some of these shows of like, what are the odds of this ever getting a restoration? And they're like, none. It, that would have, if it was going to happen, it would have happened in 2004 or something like that. And they're like, now all we have is the tape. So. And are you as shocked as I am when you see a release like Charlie's Angels comes out on Blu-ray, Magnum PI comes out on Blu-ray, a team comes out on blue. I mean, and these are re-releases of DVDs, but I'm still shocked when I yeah. see it. And sometimes it gives you a glimmer that I guess somebody has 
still buying this stuff. Yeah. You know, I want to know what they whether... sell. I want number. I will never get them, but I want numbers on some of this stuff. Cause I'm like, are they selling, you know, we talk about boutique sales. Like a boutique is going to be happy with 5,000, 10,000. But at, back in the day, you like the, the Miami Vice DVDs probably sold like a hundred thousand, hundred and fifty thousand. So, is it? I guess it's still profitable if they can sell ten thousand of a Blu-ray. I don't know. But then, and then here's the other part of the equation: is people just complain constantly, and they tear these releases apart. They're like, "Well, it's not a new, it's not a new 4K scan." I'm like, "Well, 4K scan is like ten thousand dollars an hour or whatever it is. Like that's not going to happen." People that are potential buyers too, because they're obviously interested in it, but find yeah. some little nitpicky thing to not pick it up. Yeah. Ridiculously. Yeah. So I don't I'm know. It's that. I I do think it tends more positive right now because I I see Magnum PI and the A Team and the Incredible Hulk and Kino with Kolchak. Yeah. <laughs> and the outer I, limits. And yeah, I didn't see um, any of that coming. No. Buck Rogers? That was another Buck Rogers. Yeah, there's another one. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's we we have reason to be excited. We have reason to be optimistic. But the the other side of that is you got to support it if you want to see more of it because it has to sell. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. All right, very good. What I mean, what do you think? Do you feel? How do you feel about the future of? Uh, uh, you know, I just very similar to you. I think um, uh, again, I'm very surprised when I see even a re-release come out. Well, like these re-releases of the Cannell shows from VEI. That could, I look at VEI sometimes, even five years ago, and think these guys probably aren't going to be in business much longer because they're putting out TV shows on DVD and they can't be selling. I mean, these are old TV shows they're putting out on DVD. And, and then, but they keep coming out with yeah. either new releases or re-releases or better releases than were released before, like with Wise Guy again. And so it, it it gives you hope that somebody out there in these companies, maybe, even if that's all it is, somebody in that company has a love for this stuff and is really trying to push it. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, I don't know. I mean, because it's like, how many people are buying this stuff? We don't know. We don't know numbers, but it would be interesting to know because because I would think that, gosh, there's, there's not enough people that are going to buy the greatest American hero again it's been released twice from two different companies, the complete series already over the last 15 years. So you're going to put it out again. Is anybody going to buy it? But then you think, well, somebody must be buying it because these companies keep putting them out. And so maybe we are moving more to a, what do they call it? Collector market, like vinyl records have moved to where um, more people who are in the collector mode are buying things like old shows and old movies on on disc i guess um it, it's interesting to me but i don't i have no answers and it's always been a mystery how some of these shows can get releases and frankly some of the more obscure ones like you mentioned i i, I see it come out and i go how in the world you know mm -hmm. is nobody's going to know about this and is anybody going to buy it but you put it out and i thank you for that <laughs> yeah so some of this stuff too is it may be worth like just speculating for the Cannell license. It may be worth more for if Canal, if they can get out, if they can sell 500 copies of Hunter, that's 500 sales of, of a unit that they weren't getting with it just 
in the vault. Now it's on YouTube. You can stream a lot of the episodes on YouTube, but I don't know what the monetization is like there. So I don't know. They may, someone may just be going, well, we can make $5,000 if we release it this way. And it's not making us anything right now. So it may just be that. And when, when these are gone, if they go again, do they come back? I don't know. So I'm glad I bought them. I'll say that. I'm glad I, I picked all those up. And yet they have to weigh it. I assume against whatever the license fee is, right? If, right. You know, these yeah. companies have to pay a license fee. So I'm thinking, well, if they, they got to pay this fee to even get the rights to release these disc sets. So somebody must be buying them. They, they can't keep doing it and stay in business. So yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's like a wishful thinking that maybe things are a little better than sometimes I think. But at the same time, we don't get a lot of new, uh, new two disc stuff, you know, stuff that we haven't seen released on disc yet but at the same time most of the stuff that people would want the popular stuff has been released so it's the last 20 years have been an embarrassment of riches for the tv fan i would say so i mean there's no complaints uh from from me right. I, it would be fun though to see even more continue to come out you know I especially hope those shows that we don't have access to anymore yeah i really hope that it does it'd be great to see some new to disc uh releases in the next you know five years uh, I'll be there for it. And I know you will too. Tell people where they can find you. Tell, tell people all about uh, pop, retro. pop retro at uh, youtube.com slash pop retro one and um, pop retro one on uh, Twitter and Instagram and facebook.com slash pop retro one. And uh, that's where you can find me. If you want to find me on social media or the YouTubes. Tons of great stuff, lots of reviews, lots of, uh, uh, just, if you like the conversation that we just had, you're going to love Pop Retro, so go check it out. Thank you. Um, the, this was a blast. I think we could pick this up later, like another, like three months later, you know, just to be continued. So for sure, thank you for so sure. much. Thank, I had a blast with this. Thank you for having me. It's great to uh, be on the channel. I appreciate it. Glad to have you. Guys, what do you think? Uh, weigh in with your favorite TV shows, your favorite TV on disc, if you want to, we talk about physical media. You can give your predictions for what's coming down the uh, what's coming down the road. Hey, VEI, if you're watching this, email me. I've tried to get in touch with you guys. VEI, I would love to know what's going on with your releases and interview somebody there. Uh, but you don't return my emails. So, <laughs> just, um, all right, guys, thanks. Please subscribe to this channel. Please head over to Pop Retro, subscribe to that channel, and continue that conversation. Until next time, uh, no, Jason, thank you again. Until next time, we will catch you later. All right, guys, that was a really great conversation with Jason from Pop Retro. I have so much admiration for that guy. I feel like he really sees the big picture, and I have admiration for him. That's I'm just all that goes to say is I think really highly of uh, of Jason. So let me talk to you guys about something. You know, I want to use these post video. Well, I want to use this this particular opportunity right here to talk about some possibilities here and get your feedback on them. Um, I want to do more with the podcast. You know, when I first started the podcast, it was intended to be an alternative method of consumption. Is that the right word? A new way to check it out. That's right. So I had all these interviews, right? And an interview is going to go 45 minutes, an hour. And, uh, I know that not everybody wants to be glued to their TV for an hour, you know, or their phone or whatever. And that a podcast offers you the ability, you know, maybe you, uh, I'm making a jogging motion. If you're just listening to this, maybe you're jogging and you want to listen to it a podcast. Here's what happened. I'm not going to say who said this, but I interviewed somebody 
And when we were done with the interview, he goes, so what is this? This is a podcast? This is a YouTube video? I was like, it's for YouTube. This is before the podcast. I was like, it's for YouTube. And he goes, oh, well, I wouldn't watch this. I was like, what? He goes like, no, that's like, you know, it's good. Great conversation, but it's just long. I, I only sit there when I watch a YouTube video, you know, like 10 minutes, maybe 15. I listen, to, but I listen to a podcast for as long as it goes. Cause I'm out doing things. I can listen while I'm driving or at the grocery store or whatever. So it was like, huh. And I've been thinking about, you know, I started in podcasting. I've said this multiple times now. I started in podcasting in 2007. Uh, and so that's kind of a home base for me. I feel very comfortable talking to you guys. And so, uh, I have always wanted to get back to podcasting, but that seemed like a good way for me to take, you know, my interviews, which I'd already, I was already doing and to serve the audio version for that, you know, to basically split it into two, two different audiences, right. Or two different methods of, of checking it out. So you get the audio version and the video version, but here's the thing, like pretty much every episode of the podcast so far has been just, you know, it's an audio version and a video version. You can choose which one you want to watch. I'm thinking that it would be a lot of fun to get back to just some audio only content. That's not an interview. So maybe, you know, I'm always reading comics. I'm always watching movies. I would, Hey, this is a TV episode. I could talk about some TV that I just watched. Maybe just fire up the microphone, talk for 15, 20 minutes. I don't know. However long it goes. I don't want to put a, put a limit on it. Um, but just talk about whatever I'm enjoying right now. Case in point right now, comics wise, I'm reading, well, I'm reading a lot of different things, but I'm reading Batman from 1988. Uh, these these uh, detective comics, it's like uh, Legends of the... Uh, anyway, we don't have to get too deep into the weeds here, but I'm reading detective comics from 1988 right now. I'm also reading old Superman comics. Specifically, what's really cranking my tractor right now is some uh, Green uh, Green Lantern and Green Arrow comics. Green Arrow was a frequent... Uh, like guest in Green Lantern comics in the 70s. It was a legendary run by Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams. And uh, this is the hard traveling heroes era. And I'm reading that and I'm really enjoying it. Maybe I just fire up the microphone and talk about that. But here's what I need to hear from you guys. What do you think about that idea? It would not be on, there would be no video version of that. It would just be an audio thing for the podcast. And hey, I could also do some short interviews that don't come to video. That's basically the, the thing here is like, would people be interested in audio only content from this podcast where there is no video? You only get it in the podcast. Part of me is a little scared. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Part of me is a little concerned because I'm like, well, if I do that, and the audience doesn't follow me there. I'm doing all this for nobody, you know, or for a smaller audience because YouTube is kind of the bread and butter, right? YouTube is the th like I can monetize videos. This, I don't have no, I have no sponsors for the Serial at Midnight podcast. Um, but, uh, that's where I'm kind of like, but I want to be able to just sit down and talk. I kind of dislike that Serial at Midnight has become so like the YouTube channel specifically. So movie focused, like, Hey, this came out, you know, there's only so many times I can do that. Right. And, but I also know that if I sit down and make a video about hard travel and heroes, green lantern comics, that's not going to get a ton of views on YouTube. So um, maybe that's the best fit for some place like this. Basically, I want your feedback. You can, uh, this will, this particular ver uh, episode of the podcast is going to be a video and audio version. So if you're watching the video version, you can comment down below the video. I'm, I'm making the typing gesture for those audio listeners. I'm on a typewriter. What? Um, and so if you're watching this, you can comment down there below, but also feel free because we are talking about something that you won't be able to watch. So 
You can email uh, serialmidnight at gmail.com. You can also contact me at all of the social. Like I'm on freaking every social media platform. Things they haven't even invented yet, I'm on already. Just because I'm like, well, I got to represent Serial at Midnight. All right, this was a really fun episode for me. You can tell it was just kind of laid back. It was no, it was no... No pitching anything, no reviewing anything, just the just real geek talk is what it was. And I love geek talk. I think that's the core of Serial at Midnight. Um, please do continue to subscribe, to rate, to review, to engage, to do all the things that you can do to, to, uh, to you know. Who are you? I'm Batman. I want you to tell all your friends about me. That's what I want you to do. Tell all your friends about me. Uh, talk about Serial at Midnight. Spread the word. It's so hard. When every working and not working actor has started their own podcast, it's so hard to get seen. And I'm going to tell you guys, this channel, this, uh, this, this podcast is having trouble being seen. For all the great conversations we're having, it's a secret, right? It's still on the down low. And I don't want it to be on the down low. Um, I want as many people as possible to see this. And that's like you, you, yes, you listening to this, you are responsible for sharing the word on the Serial at Midnight podcast, for engaging. I'm not talking to everybody but you. I'm talking to you. You guys remember at uh, at uh, MGM Hollywood Studios at Disney, they have the Muppets thing, and he's like, all these people think I'm talking to them, but I'm talking to you. And it's like a 3D gimmick, and he points at you. Just, I'm calling you out. I pointed directly at you when I said that. I'm talking to you. Please, rate, review, subscribe, do all those things. Uh, and, uh, the future is, uh, really cool, but I, what do you think? Like more, more shorter, maybe there'd be like three episodes a week. Would that be cool for you? you gotta let me know. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Take care. Until next time, I will catch you later.